morning, everyone. It is so good to see you, to see your faces and just be around you. I'm just excited to be here. Left? You're going that side. All right. So last week, um, I had the honor of sharing a sermon, and I finished it with a challenge of, do you have courage to make room for Jesus this Advent season? And then, action step, if you have a courageous step this week, will you share it with me so that I can share it with everyone? And so that's why I'm here. I got some stuff to share and I'm excited. First of all, I can't share everything. I got a ton of responses. Thank you to everyone. Um, and it was just encouraging to me personally. And um, so here are a couple of things. So a lot of people are in the same boat as me. I got rid of social media it's been something that I know I knew I should have done for years, and a lot of people felt similar to me. Um, a, a lot of them said, I got rid of it. It felt freeing. I wasn't just scrolling through my phone anymore. Um, some people said they were going to challenge themselves to just not have it in their pocket and not have their phone around them so that they're more intentional with their family and their friends. Other people said, I'm going to start my day with uh, verse of the day, you know, they installed an app on their phone and they wanted to start. Rather than scrolling, I wonder what's on Facebook, they were uh, starting in the Word. Um, a theme across all of it, though, was um, replacing kind of dead space with intentionality. So I really like that. A couple people um, shared about family, sharing that they know that they need, there's some things that they need to share with their family this holiday season. Um, and again, intentionality across the board. Here's one that I wanted to read uh, that I really liked. It said, I unsubscribed from news alerts on my phone. Uh, I wanted to limit my intake. This week I noticed myself checking my phone to see if I had an alert. I did not like that. And then when I did read the news, I had a shorter fuse. I didn't like that. Today seems more peaceful, and I like that. Um, and then finally, someone said they wanted to um, create space for the Holy Spirit to work in their family, in their jobs, and to not have so much control over things in their life. And I think the thing that all boils down to in regards to my challenge and why I'm up here right now is are we being open and listening to those Holy Spirit nudges when they come? So for me, anytime Kevin has brought up, or anyone on stage brought up technology and the, the, what we give our minds and time to, it always hit me that, hey, I'm on social media too much. This is something that needs to you know die in my life. But I, I didn't have the courage to actually take that step and get rid of it because I could explain away Oh, I need it. You know, I'm a youth pastor. I want to see what my students and their families are up to, or my family is eight hours away. So, um, but I just, I could explain it away. And then I'm reminded, 2015, whenever the Pella Corp building was being torn down, you know, as you go around Jimmy John's, heading towards Hy-Vee, Oskaloosa, that's the road. And there was one worker by, by themselves, and clear as day, I heard, stop, have lunch with that person. But I explained it away. I was like, oh, it's going to be uncomfortable, even though I'm this outgoing person. Like, he would be like, who are you? Why are you doing this? And every time I go past that site, I'm reminded of that Holy Spirit nudge to connect. I don't know what was going on in that guy's life that day. And I know that that's something I could have 
taken the courage and done, and I didn't. And so my challenge to myself moving forward and my challenge to all of us is when those nudges come up, will you pay attention to them and will you take that courageous step and uh, see where the Lord leads us? Good. And Brett, before you go, real quick, a little accountability. Accountability. How'd you do this week? I did okay. My screen time report was down. Good. Obviously, I replaced social media with a couple other things at first, <laughs> um, but I figured it out. So I'm a, I'm a work in progress, everybody. So, That's good. Thank thanks, you. Tom. Thanks for your transparency. For those of you who may not know who I am, my name is Tom Vanderwella, and for the last uh, handful of years, I've had the honor and privilege of leading the teaching team here at Third. And if you haven't noticed, this Advent season, we have been kind of introducing to the larger Third family uh, a really gifted group of commissioned pastors who are on staff. It's my privilege to um, introduce you to Clayton Corbridge. What's ironic is most of you may know him better than I do because you watched him grow up as a kid right here at Third. And I have gotten to know Clayton here over the last uh, year as he's joined the staff. He came to us from Celebrate Church in Knoxville where he was a youth pastor and became a commissioned and licensed pastor in the Reformed Church of America. We're so glad to have him on staff here and in our adult ministries team. So Clayton, come on up here if you will. Clayton is more importantly, husband of Kelly and daddy to two little girls. And I just wanna pray a quick prayer for you. God bless Clayton this morning. Uh, just speak through him, Lord, and make us good soil to receive your word. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom. All right, so I'm, we're getting going here. Uh, for me to be an effective communicator, and for you to be, an, I think, an effective listener, we know where we're going. So my sentence for today is going to be on the screen. It's this. It is that humility, that's our topic for today, is not subtraction. It's addition. It's becoming. I was not a great student. That's not a great sentence, but I'm going to read it one more time then for you. Humility is not subtraction. It's addition. It's becoming. So my prayer for us and for you at home and for all of us in the room here is that today, just today, Today, we will become more humble. I'm not worried about tomorrow. Jesus said that. Don't worry about tomorrow. We get stuck in tomorrow, we forget about today. So today, today, could we become more humble? That's my prayer. So I'm going to read the text. We're starting Luke. I'm going to emphasize some things. So if you have your Bibles, turn your pages. If not, it's on the screen. Or if not, you probably have a phone. Follow along. Here we go. While they, that's Mary and Joseph, were there, the time came for the baby, that's Jesus, to be born. And she, as Mary, gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, pay attention to that word, and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We're going to flip to the right in our Bible, to Philippians chapter 2. I'll give you a second if you turn in pages. Philippians is kind of by the end. It's not quite to the end. 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any, tenderness and compassion, then make my, this is Paul's, joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. People of God, this is the word of God. I just feel like a Southern Baptist minister when I read that. I love reading that. It's so fun. So as you can see today, we're, we're looking at Jesus' life from before he came to earth, while he was on earth, and as he was exiting earth. Jesus' life, and Paul is lingering on his humility. That's what we're going to do today, okay? So I had this thought. Um, I know that you know, we all know, humility is good, right? We know that. We've, been, we've heard that. We've been told that. But I've been wondering to myself, do I actually think that? Do I actually believe that? Does it play out in my life? Do I think, do I live like humility is a good thing? A while back, my dad shared with us that there's one time in the Gospels, that's four chapters, that's four books, that's 89 chapters, in one place, Jesus tells us about his heart. It's his own self-description. And I'm fascinated by the self-descriptions in the Bible. In Exodus, God shares his own self-description. Here's Jesus's. And Jesus say, before I go on, it, from the over, out of the overflow of the heart, we speak. We act. So what is deep down in this place, this is the most important place of all of us, our hearts. It's, it's what we say and don't say. It's what we do and we don't do. And Jesus said, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. So when I get excited about things, my wife knows this, I talk about it a lot. So I've been sharing this with everybody. This is fascinating to me. One time in the whole Bible, Jesus tells us about his heart? Really? So I'm sharing it. This is what has got me, though. When I share it with people who love Jesus, the first thing that happens is I get redirected. I get redirected to something else about Jesus. Well, Jesus came to save us. Jesus came to say, repent. Jesus came to heal the sick. He came to feed people. He came to challenge the Pharisees. He came to challenge the status quo. Jesus did all these things. And I'm like, yes, he did all those things. It's true. But then at the end of the conversation, I say, but we never talked about Jesus' gentleness or his humility. Why? Why don't I want to think about Jesus as being gentle and being humble? So I had some thoughts. For one, I think humility is hard. Great example. My wife had, gave me permission. The other day, I was doing all these nice things for her. I thought I was taking care of our girls, trying to help get in the car, do all these different things. But the more I did, I got grumpier and grumpier and grumpier because I actually, I wanted something. I realized I wanted something from my wife. And so I'm doing this stuff and finally she goes, Clayton, what is wrong with you? And I said, well, I, I, I want this. And she said, so you were doing all those nice things because you wanted something from me. Is that humility? No, it's something else. It's pride. So that's reason number one. I think it's hard. Number two, uh, Someone says to me this week, they said, Clayton, quite often, I just don't really want to care about someone else. I'm too busy, like Brett's story. I'm too busy. I think it's going on. I'm in a hurry. So if I have to, like Paul said, consider others better than myself, look out for their interests, that requires my time. And sometimes I just don't want to give it. That's reason number two. Reason number three, I've been reading this book called Humility. It's an old book. It's a good topic for today, a good book for today, by a man named Andrew Murray. It's from the 1800s. It's a small book, but every word's super intentional. It's kind of like this book. But in the book, Murray makes the case that the eternal conflict, that the basis for all things is this conflict between two things, pride and humility. The pride of evil, the humility of the lamb. He says that humility is actually missing from most of the church. 
And he's just, he's just digging into this. So if I can for just a minute, I want to explore pride and humility. I'm an ex-athlete. I read the text once. I want us to get warmed up, work up a lather. Let's get back into the text. Does that sound good? All right. So pride um, at, at the core of both is, 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 a, is a question. At the core of both is trust. So pride and humility, trust. The question is, who do you trust? Pride would say myself. I don't rely on anybody else. I take care of this myself. Humility would say someone else. Pride has me at the center. Humility would have others. It's plural at the center. Pride is inflexible. It's my way. My way. Humility would say maybe my way is not the best way. So here's an easy test for you. I wonder how you're doing today. I'm going to guess you've been interrupted today. If you have not been interrupted yet, it's going to happen. Your plan for this day, what you want to have happen, is going to not happen the way you want it to happen. How do you respond? When that happens, do I get angry? Do I get mad? Do I get short? I might have an issue with some pride. It's my way. But if I respond graciously, maybe this day shouldn't have gone that way. My mom would say, blessed are the flexible for they will enjoy the tour. There's some humility there, right? So how did you respond? So humility and pride, what we have to do is we have to have an honest look at ourselves. And two fun stories, uh, two surveys. My wife always says, I don't know who gets surveyed. I don't either, but these are good surveys. One, there's a, a, a professor in Chicago, and he would teach a class on Jesus. So he's teaching a class to people who want to do this, become a part of vocational ministry. They love Jesus. Start a class. He'd give them two surveys. One, what do you like? You. What do you like? And what, what, what do you not like? And on and on and on. And then he'd say, what does Jesus like? And what does Jesus not like? And on and on and on. He found that 90% of the surveys matched. So people who love Jesus have subconsciously made Jesus into their own image. Hmm. Pride and humility is the basis. It's a conflict below everything. Another survey, because I like this one. They asked a group a question. They said, who should go to heaven? So they asked, answered the question. The first person was an ex-athlete who was accused of murder. You can decide who you think that is. 19% thought that person should go to heaven. Then they said, should Mother Teresa go to heaven? 79% said yes to Mother Teresa. Talk about considering others better than yourselves, looking out for other people's interests. I think, who are the other 21%? Then they asked an interesting question. Should you go to heaven? 87% said yes. That's a high opinion of ourselves, right? Pride and humility. And so for those of you who feel a little discouraged, man, I got interrupted, I re reacted poorly, I'm pretty selfish. Guess what? I love this quote. Cheer up. You're worse than you think. <laughs> Cheer up. You're worse than you think. And in, in, in this book, it said that Jesus knows while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He knows who you are. So cheer up. You're worse than you think. Darren's message two weeks ago. Guess what? He still has plans for you, and they are plans for good. So cheer up. Be honest with yourself. So don't be discouraged. Humility, then, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less about yourself. Does that make sense? It's not thinking less of yourself. Jesus knows who you are. It's just thinking less about yourself. Because in verse 4 here, Paul says this, and I think this is a misconception of mine. I thought if I was humble, I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. I had to, just, I can't do that. I can't do, I love that. I can't do, I have to do all the stuff I don't want to do. Is that what Paul says? He says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. So good news. You can be humble and still do the things that you love to do. 
That's good news, right? But, Paul says, you can't do it to the detriment of someone else. So you can do all those things, but not if it's going to impact someone negatively. Not if they think that that thing is more important than them. So if my wife thinks this job is more important than her, that's a problem. If my kids think that you fill in the blank is more important than them, that's a problem. The other day, back to breast message, I was doing this. My two-year-old came up to me and said, Daddy, look at me. Two-year-old, look at me. This is mostly geared towards me. Look at me. If my kids think that's more important than them or whatever else it is, that's a problem. Paul says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves and look out for their interests. So you can have hopes, dreams, and passions, and they're good, but it's not the detriment of someone else. So humility is a major theme in the Bible. I'm not going to go into it. It would take a long time, but I love this quote from Murray's book. This helps me. We're moving to the text here in just a second, all right? This is what it is. I had so many misconceptions about humility. For one thing, I confused it with self-loathing. Humility is not beating yourself up or letting other people put you down. Humility is not the same as low self-esteem. It's not the opposite of self-confidence. The truly humble person walks with absolute confidence. Why? Because they know they're an empty vessel to whom God wants to accomplish his work. So here's why I think we don't like humility. Because that's a vulnerable position to be in. To be empty, to depend on God and depend on others, to put myself out there, to think more of them than me, that's a vulnerable position to be in. But Jesus thought it was worth the risk. So I've been thinking about this all week. Do I? Do you? And do you? So let's get into the text. We're going to pick it up and uh, let's see. Yep, very beginning. Uh, two, one through four. So Paul says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. He's essentially saying, if this means anything to you, if Jesus means anything to you, if you have changed even a little bit, if you have new hope, if you, if you have, understand now that we will never die, that all the people we love in this weird time, if they love Jesus, they will never die. I have drawn so much comfort from that. If this means anything to you, In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Whoo! Come on. So let's keep going. All right, lost my stuff right there. So Jesus, who in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So this passage is called the kenosis passage. It's called the great emptying. But as I was studying, what I noticed is that we focus just on the emptying. But what did Jesus do? He emptied himself into something. So our sentence for today is what? Humility is not subtraction. It is addition. It is becoming. Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of humanity. It's what he added to himself that expressed his humility. Does that make sense? So all analogies when it comes to Jesus fall short. I hope this one helps. So my wife, Kelly. Kelly's my favorite person. I love Kelly. So Kelly is always Kelly to me. She never stops being Kelly. But every morning, I watch Kelly become mommy to Kai and to Coda. So every morning, Kelly adds on motherhood to herself, and then she thinks of our girls ahead of herself. She puts their interests, their well-being in front of herself. She never stops being Kelly, but she becomes something more. That 
is what Jesus did. His humility is, is expressed in what he added on. So I'm just going to make another plug. Tonight we're showing the Christmas, uh, chosen Christmas special. It's on this page. If you're at home right now, it's on this page where you're watching right now. Watch it. It is something to watch a little girl. Because they, they depict it. She's a little girl. Back to Brett's sermon, like 13, 14, 15. A little girl gives birth to a little baby. This little baby Jesus has to depend wholly on this little girl who has to depend wholly on God. Talk about humility. Talk about placing someone else in front of themselves and making themselves vulnerable. That's what Jesus did. So watch it tonight. Let's keep going the text. Um, let's see. We are in eight. And being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you can find all kinds of places in the Bible to look at Jesus' humility, his servanthood. The one I think of the most is in John 13, in the upper room. Earlier I said to pay attention to the word cloths as Jesus entered the world. In the upper room, with the disciples around him, Jesus takes off his outer garments, wraps himself in a new cloth to get down on his knees and wash their feet. He began in a cloth. He ended in a cloth. But then I kept thinking to myself, whose feet did he wash? Remember, consider others better than yourselves. He went to one and said, you will turn me over to the to, to the religious elite, they will murder me. They will, in the most awful, awful, awful way, I will still wash your feet because I love you. Then he turns to the next person, you are my best friend, my best friend. And when I need you the most, probably within earshot, I will hear you disown me. I never knew him. Guess what? I will wash your feet because I love you. All around the room he goes, you will all leave me. You'll all run from me. You'll scatter when I need you the most, I will still wash your feet. No one, no one, no one is beyond his desire nor ability to love, forgive, and save. That's what he mirrored. In verse 5, it says, your attitude, my attitude, your attitude, all of our attitudes should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That means that no one should be beyond my ability, desire, your ability, your desire to love, to forgive, and to partner with him in saving. Whew, that just cut me. His humility became our salvation. An author named Alistair Begg wrote this about this passage. He said, Jesus did not approach the incarnation that's becoming a person, asking, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? In coming to earth, he said, I don't matter. But Jesus, you're going to be laid in a manger. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, Jesus, you'll have nowhere to lay your head. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, you'll be an outcast. You'll be a stranger. You'll be an exile. It doesn't matter. Jesus, they're going to nail you to a cross, and all of your followers are going to leave you. It's okay. That's what Jesus did. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Humility is not subtraction. It's addition. It's becoming. The whole passage, Jesus is being, he's being, he's being, whatever it is that he needs to be. So what happens? 
Therefore, I love a therefore in scripture, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every time confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father, amen. So if that's who my Savior is, if that's who I believe he is, that's what he showed me, then I have to be the same as him. He showed us by how he lived who he really is. He revealed his heart. And he is gentle. And he is humble. That's what I have to do. Back to Brett's sermon last week. Jesus had the courage to make room, to empty himself, to make room for us. He became like us to make room for us. So, actions for today. I got some actions and I got a story. Two things. Think about. Think about. Remember, what's our sentence today? Humility is not subtraction. It's addition. It's becoming. So would you consider day one just becoming present? Now we're about tomorrow. Just today. Would you become present? Because I don't know what you need to become today to express the humility of Jesus. So maybe you become a mom, become a dad, become a brother, become a sister, become a friend, become a listener. Oops, sorry about that. Because then we know if we need to become forgiveness, become a welcome, become an encouragement. We don't know if we haven't been present. So would you become present to express the humility of Jesus? Because right now in this season, what, what is it? It's he, Emmanuel, God with us. Would we have the courage to become, to be with each other? That's one. Second thing, I just warned you with that one. That's the easier one, I think. I think being present, we can all sit and be with people. It's easier. Next one is, would you become a blessing? So we just learned that Jesus is the name above every name. It's the highest name. Every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Would you consider blessing someone in Jesus' name today? And now I talked to the most extroverted person I know, and he said, help me out with this. This is hard. It's hard. Trust me, I know. I've been trying to do this myself. Would you become a blessing? This is how it works. You say to the person, I bless you in Jesus' name that he may, and you fill in the blank. What's the blank? They fill in the blank for you. You say to them, hey, I just want to bless you today. How could I bless you today? Not tomorrow. What do you need today? Jesus said we should pray for daily bread. What's their daily bread? Maybe they, I don't know. So here's an example. I lived in Knoxville for a while, and I had a neighbor. And uh, I felt like, we're like waving neighbors. We don't really talk. I saw him across the street, and I thought, oh, man, like Brett was saying, I'm supposed to go bless him. So I was like, I'm going to try this. I walked over. I told him. I said, I, I explained this. I, said, I think I'm supposed to bless you today. He's like, how can I bless you? And he said, well, actually, he's like, I have MS. I didn't know that about him. I never asked him that question before. I never really talked to him before. I learned something new. He said, most days, I'm just tired. I don't have any energy. I would love some energy today. So I said, I bless you in Jesus' name that you would receive his energy today. And as you do, you would know he loves you. Really simple. We let Jesus do what he wants to do. But would you consider becoming a blessing today. Got a story. Before I say it, though, I want to say this sentence one more time. Because humility is not subtraction. It's addition. It's in what we become. It's in becoming, okay? So I learned about this man. You might recognize it if you heard the story. His name is Desmond. Desmond was a teenager, young man. I think a teenager, young man. In the 1940s, Desmond saw what was happening in World War II. He saw evil trying to, to take over the world, and he wanted to be a part of stopping that evil. So he enlisted in the military. He became a part of a company. But Desmond had a problem. Desmond was a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know if that's a problem. 
But so Desmond would not carry a gun and Desmond would not work on the Sabbath. It seemed to be a problem to some people in his company. They actually did not want him there. You won't carry a gun, then leave. You're not really with us. You're our weakest link. If you don't carry one, like what are we going to do when we get in battle? We don't want you here. It started as kind of verbal like harassment, but it got nasty. Actually, one time he was kneeling to pray, and they were throwing boots at him. They, they hated him. They became so angry at him. They actually tried to have him kicked out over and over and over, but they couldn't. He had enlisted. So he became a medic. So Desmond and his fellow company men find themselves on the island of Okinawa, 1945. And they are tasked with an impossible task. They have to run, scale a ridge, it's like 40 or 50 feet, and as they crest the ridge, they're greeted by thousands of soldiers. 15,000 people died that day. Talking about humility. Desmond's job is to scale the ridge and never leave the ridge. Desmond's job is to run in and out of battle, saving people and lowering them down the ridge still in danger, and then running back in. Over a 12-hour period, Desmond saved 75 people. In and out, and in and out. I couldn't help but think, who did he save? It's like, whose feet did Jesus wash? The people who hated him, did not want him, thought he was wrong. What you believe is wrong. You're not with us. He ran in over and over and over for people who hated him. But this is what got me. Every time before he ran in, he would say the same prayer. He would say, Lord, help me get one more. Lord, help me get one more. I can't help but think, Jesus, every day, he did everything with the Father and with the Spirit. I wonder if they said every single day, let's become whoever we have to be today to get one more. Let's pray. Band coming up. Father, I don't know what to say. Your humility has me speechless. Well, you were willing to do for me, for us, for those that we love, so we can be with you forever, is astounding. I feel like my worship, my praise, I don't know if it could ever be enough. So I just ask in these next moments that perhaps we would try that we would worship you because of who you became. So we say, come Holy Spirit, would you inhabit our praises? Amen.